Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Lottery Marathon winner is Sybil Ramsey of Louisville, Kentucky. Sybil will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at LawAndOrderPodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Melissa and Rebecca Lavoie. And these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are The Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 14, Episode 14, Secrets Exhumed. What's going on here? If I didn't know better, I would say that this was an interrogation. Shall I Mirandize you? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and the Undisclosed Addendum Podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. I'm just grateful that you are not making me move desks today. <laughs> that... <laughs> that was an interesting detail. Rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Moms and Murder Podcast, Melissa. Hi. How are you guys? Good. And you go by Melissa, like like Cher, Madonna. <laughs> Same thing. Sting, yeah, Steel. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Pick a last name. That's my last name. These podcasters worry about the paparazzi. <laughs> Think of all of the um, real life jobs or whatever that we'd applied for. We would have gotten if only we only used our first name in all of our podcasts. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> we'd be so unemployed. <laughs> so, Mom, uh, what is it that you tell your kids that you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very upsetting to hear a six-year-old say the words moms and murder. It just never <laughs> really uh-huh. comes off the tongue. Right? Yeah. Do you think there's a connection between motherhood and murderhood? <laughs> <laughs> I think as a mother, you try not to murder, so there's some connection there. <laughs> but you get the feeling, though, right, Rebecca? Back me up on this. Listen, anybody who says they never get the feeling, they are lying, <laughs> lying, lying. Totally. <laughs> Now, for the sake of the kids, we're going to do a swear-free episode of These Are The Stories, meaning I'm going to bleep them out because we're going to say them anyway. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Because I'm guaranteed to miss one or ten of them. (laughs) I've decided I don't have enough production to do on the podcast. All right. (laughs) I just want to go for that clean rating one time. Let's just do it this one time. Let's give it a shot. All right, Melissa, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. I'm going to go classic with Benson and Stabler. Good. Yeah. Good pick. 
I know. I was very upset whenever Elliot left. That was that was a hard day for me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and we we rewarded you by giving you an Amarisode. That's right. Yes, <laughs> I wasn't quite prepared for that. Really, <laughs> I enjoyed it thoroughly, though. <laughs> Benson and Stanbury are like a little black dress of picks. Yes, they, on this show, they are. They're always right? fashionable. Yeah, they're always fashionable. They go with everything. And Melissa, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite Law and Order District Attorney Prosecutorial Team. I just remember Assistant DA Alexander. Cabot. I remember her mostly because of her divorce from Bobby Flay, like Stephanie March. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I'm more interested in the gossip and seedy, you know, seediness behind the scenes. So that's who I would go with. She's very serious, very um, blunt. I don't even think she was ever reading script. I think she just came in there and did what she wanted. Mm. She was a lawyer in real life. Yeah. Who just also played one on TV. There yeah, you go. She says, give me the gist. I'll, I'll make it up as I go along. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Okay. Roll it. All right, now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 14, Episode 14, Secrets Exhumed. Well, Munch is always causing trouble, even if Dick Wolf put him in the cold case unit. He returns to SVU with the gift of a 35-year-old rape homicide. What do we got on the suspect so far? Brian Traymore, 52, picked up in Miami on cocaine possession. By the time his DNA was processed, he had served his three months. He's being released tomorrow. I'll have the DA start the extradition papers. Benson, Amaro, book the next flight to Miami. The good news is that the perp is currently in Florida, which gives Amaro a chance to rock the polo shirt and show off his guns. (laughs) (laughs) The DNA points to Brian Tremor, who the FBI also wants in connection with four other murders. That's where Liv bumps into her old friend, Special Agent Dana Scully. Yay! No, I mean Dana Lewis. Yay! The wrong, <laughs> wrong Special Agent Dana. Uh, before he was left paralyzed, Traymore worked for a basketball team that traveled to all the cities where the murders occurred. Now, after some prodding, Traymore admits to killing four of them, but he says he didn't kill the New York victim, Kira Stranger. Munch and Rollins go to the evidence warehouse to find one of two boxes from the cold case unit is empty and the other one has been misplaced. Trey Moore's interrogation goes nowhere until Agent Lewis comes in, feeds him a line about Kira being two months pregnant, then he confesses to that murder, too. Well, that's when Kira's old fiancé Noah shows up, and surprise, he knows Dana, <gasps> who keeps playing down that relationship. Amaro becomes very suspicious because Trey Moore doesn't know why he can't remember Kira, and Noah says that he and Dana, right up until the time Kira got pregnant, they dated. Dana also lied about being in Georgia when the murder happened. She was at the crime scene. And that's when Traymore recants his confession to Kira's death, saying he was coerced. Mm. Well, how do you freshen up a cop show in the middle of the 14th season? Cragen has everybody move their desks. (laughs) (laughs) For no reason. Six inches. (laughs) I don't want to move. It's six feet, Finn. You're all still too complacent. Now, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's a new year. I want to shake things up. I like my old desk. Well, we can get you a grief counselor. Says the guy that doesn't have to move. <laughs> what is this, third grade Christmas break? <laughs> Come back, teachers. Okay, we're going to move you here and there. I Who was more aggrieved in this episode? The people who have to move their desks and just like carry a box four feet? Or Olivia Benson for having to go to ugh, Florida? <laughs> like she really hates Florida. I was personally <laughs> offended. It was... <laughs> she went a little too far there. South Florida, I got to say, it's overrated. But the sun, coffee, people. The heat, the bugs. Really? That Cuban sandwich? Not so much. 
I hear you complain about the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they didn't shoot that on the set. This looks like they really were in Miami. Why? For like they four seconds? They clearly <laughs> went to Miami for this two-minute scene. <laughs> it was just like the room was brighter. I think that's the only way you can go to that conclusion. It, it was just slightly brighter. It never gets that bright in New York. True, true. <laughs> <laughs> and Finn was like, Bro, Cap, I got a feel for Miami. I was working down there undercover. Uh-huh. Well, you and Rollins worked the case from here. And Craig is like, Nope, not having it. You're not going. Exactly. <laughs> you just have to find the police station, not a stash house. <laughs> I thought maybe he wanted to meet with Coco in Miami. I just, again, mm. forget that, you know, this is not real life and these are actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely wants to get out of New York for a little while. He does. He does. He always wants to go on the road. Finn loves going on the road. Yeah. I mean, I, and I know that like it's taxpayer dollars and everything. Why do did, why did two cops have to go to Florida? To pick up a guy in a wheelchair? Not sure. <laughs> well, Casey makes a break for it. Listen, this on is a hill. I don't mean to be ableist. Yeah. Right. However, this transfer of custody was not particularly challenging. No. And later, uh, Amaro just you know is sitting with him in a room, closes the door, and it's just like the most cocky. Like you can't get out of here. You're not even going to try. That's anything. right. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah. So there was really no. There is no reason for two. Officers, especially one that hates Florida and is so vocal about it. <laughs> oh, we think Amaro likes Florida. Amaro you know, loves, he it. loves it. He loves it. Loves Olivia it. just looked like, I do not have the right deodorant for this, guys. This is not going to work out. She's literally like, doing this with her shirt. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have the pit stains on television. I don't want the pit stains on television. But it is kind of weird that they sent the actors there, right? I mean, they I must have been in town for they? a fan show or something. Maybe did they send them there? I how can you say We should just look it up. I mean, all the all the um where it filmed be on IMDb or something? I believe this came out in February. Mm. So, I mean, even when they shot it a couple months early, it's still cold in New York. Yeah. Um I mean, it's not a hardship I think to wear short sleeve shirt inside. Right. But <laughs> it just does not feel like this They're is, on the back set. This is very Rebecca Lavoy of you to be so obsessed with such a small <laughs> detail. This is like my because, territory. Well, just because it's such a short scene mm. that it just seems so superfluous. Like, why to, send them to Florida at all? Why couldn't he have been in prison in New Jersey? Like in every other episode they would Yeah, have done. go to Ohio or, you know, any place like that so they could still be on the same set. I feel like you could pay an Uber driver a little extra to just drive the guy from Miami to New York. Yes. <laughs> with, I don't think you need a, a police escort for this whole thing. Agreed. Nope, nope. That would be good. Well, why does the rapist have to be in a wheelchair? I mean, why do you think the the writers put that detail in? Because I, it doesn't really it, seem it to... It never gets used for any purpose at all. Well, not dramatically, no. no. It does for Olivia to be super shady. Just... <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me ask you something. That bus that hit you broke your spinal cord. It didn't just cripple you. It made you impotent. You've had 25 years to think about that accident. You ever think it was karma? <laughs> he can't go anywhere to get away from this stupid interrogation. No. Yeah, she gets really like, oh, I don't know. Just has no chill whatsoever telling him about his accident and how, you know, things went wrong for him and he's impotent. Just, you know, just like in one sentence, she hasn't said another word to the man and just talks about an accident, took away everything from him. And she's like, yeah. It's gotta, that's gotta be kind of rough for you, right? Nobody asked her. Yeah. Nobody, nobody brought it yeah. up. You know, like on the medical side, it's actually not true. There are paraplegics who can get erections because it's a, uh, but they can't control them and they certainly can't 
do a lot with it. Thank uh, you, Dr. Flynn. I'm just saying. <laughs> I do appreciate it. It would hard, be hard to be a rapist, you know, in that sense. But I, I just think they just wanted, the writers just wanted to say, yeah, this guy's not going to f*** anymore. Yeah, there are um, a few And I think things. I bleeped that one, I think. Hopefully I got that <laughs> yes, one. Yes, you got yeah. that one. Listen, I, in this episode, uh, came to realize there are several recurring themes of things the writers of SVU hate. You ready? Yeah. People with disabilities, not treated well in this show. Uh-huh. People named Lewis <laughs> <laughs> and anyone from Vermont Ooh. or New England in any fashion. <laughs> We're going to get to that. You should add redheads to that list because redheads. Yes, it was, no one's attracted to redheads. No, yeah. As the mother and spouse of redheads, I was very offended in this episode by how much he, he could not stop talking about how much he hated redheads. I never seen her before. No, come on, man. That's what you said at first about the other four girls. This one I didn't do. She's not even my type. Red hair? Like, I didn't do her. Ugh, not my type. <laughs> Gingerist. <laughs> That's always a great rape defense. Not even my type. Yeah. <laughs> See, Your Honor? You know it's about attraction. Yeah, I know, exactly. The only thing I love is when, when she sits down to speak to the suspect, He's told her, I hate redheads, I hate redheads, I hate redheads. And she makes all the photos, arranges them in a way of these violent crimes around this mm-hmm. lady's eyes in like an Illuminati sort of position. So <laughs> all he can see are the eyes and he's like, yeah, maybe maybe I killed her. <laughs> Why is Munch even on the show at this point? For his Munchisms. Mm. His Munchisms. Right, he's not part of the unit. Mm-mm. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you guys, I'm just going to make an appearance here. I'm going a few months and you're rearranging the furniture. What's next? Carpeting? Paper towels in the men's room? Well, if it isn't the man who came in from Cold Case. Welcome back. Drop this shit on you and walk out. <laughs> cold Case. They love Munch. They love Munch. <laughs> he sees problems everywhere. It's called contractual obligation, Kevin. <laughs> they're trying money. to send Richard Belzer a message. Yeah. yeah. He did leave the show the following season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he has said he doesn't know why his character was treated the way it was in the final season you or so. You mean like getting to be Olivia Benson's babysitter? No, this is <laughs> after. No, 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 that's after. <laughs> no, why they'd suddenly take this character who'd been there for 13, 14 years and like, no, you're not part of the squad and you're not in this episode and we've teamed Rollins with Finn, so... Uh, Did they find out he was from Vermont? <laughs> or had or had been a redhead before his hair turned gray? <laughs> Secret ginger. That'll, that'll do it to you every time. All right, so we have a very special guest star. Mm-hmm. It's our very special guest star. Marsha Gay Harden. Yay! <laughs> Winner of the Academy Award for Pollock mm-hmm. and nominated for Mystic River. Mm-hmm. She's had acclaimed roles in The Mist, Into the Wild, and you've recently seen her in Code Black, The Newsroom, and The Morning Show on Apple TV+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I know you killed her. Don't talk. Just listen. You worried about her being pregnant? No one has to know about that. You tell me the truth right now. And everything's going to be okay. She was very A-list, you know, Mm -hmm. around the time this show, her character arc began on this show. And I remember thinking, like... This is a big get for the SVU franchise. And then the way that they chose to end this character arc was very curious, considering (laughs) the auspicious way in which it began. (laughs) And we will get to that. We will get to that. Melissa, did you know this is her fourth appearance as this character? And she was nominated for an Emmy Award for the role 
in uh, 2007. I didn't know it was her fourth, but I did have several notes about, I think she's going for an Emmy in some of this, uh, some of her performances <laughs> in this episode. Well, they wanted somebody to cry. They said, well, we, we just can't go to the usual well. No. We got to see if we can get somebody. MGH. We need an Oscar winner. Yeah. We need a legit Oscar winner. <laughs> somebody with some gold on the, uh, on the mantle. <laughs> so interesting uh, fact about Marsha Gay Harden, her father, her brother, and her ex-husband are all named Thaddeus. <laughs> is that interesting? Wait, is that yeah. true? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Oh my God. And it's because they're all the same guy. No, I'm just <laughs> that would actually make more sense. I've never met one Thaddeus, let alone three. Well, you know, what can you say? Are they from Vermont? Did she grow up like on, on the campus they're of Harvard University or something? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like she was Amish or something. Yeah. It's like they met her husband at a barn raising. <laughs> <laughs> Did she come over on the Mayflower? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's take a look at her Hey, It's That Guys. Hey, it's that guy. Give me the name of the actor playing Brian Tremor. Anyone know? I don't know his name, but I know he's on Lost. <laughs> he was the dad on Lost. Dude's dad. I kept thinking he was from The Walking Dead, and I knew that was wrong. You see me in this wheelchair. The only sex life I've had in the last 25 years, man, is right here. Those other four girls, I remember every detail. How we play it. We get tired of one table, go to the next. This last girl. It's like the tape got erased. That's Harold Parnot. Mm. You know him from Lost as Michael. Mm -hmm. He obviously borrowed John Locke's wheelchair for this role. <laughs> uh, he was one of the characters who did not get into heaven in the finale, right. uh, which means apparently the producers didn't want to see him again. Mm. Did you watch Lost, Melissa? I watched the first season. It was too um, smart for me in a way. I like, <laughs> I like garbage. I don't want to think, which is why I love SVU. It just lays it all out there for me. So the last time you saw this character, he was on a raft heading out to sea <laughs> exactly. in no particular direction. Right, yeah. right. And somehow he survived. Could have been in a wheelchair, couldn't tell. And he had a rapidly aging son. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, this kid's going to grow up. We got to find a way to get him off the island. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can currently see him in Claws and The Rookie. I don't know what other one of those things are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> are they television shows? Of course they're television shows. Okay. Claws, like White Claws or Santa Claws? No, I claws, claws. Like claws. Oh, oh, that's the like the nail the, salon. Yes, that's like oh, the ladies yeah, yeah, yeah. who are like the nail salon TBS. ladies yeah. who are like badass. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Basic cable. Does anyone recognize Noah, Kira's fiance? No. He's a hey, it's that guy? He is a hey, it's that guy. It's so surreal. It's not like I think about it every day anymore. I, I got married. I had a kid. I got divorced. But I'll tell you, not a month goes by. Something doesn't remind me of Kira. That actor's name is Jay Carnes. He played Dutch, the one not crooked cop on The Shield. Huh. I didn't watch The Shield. You didn't watch The Shield? I believe you. <laughs> I have no reason not to, so. Yes. I've, yes, I've fact-checked this. You can st <laughs> I, I stand by it. Look, he's played FBI agents in Chicago PD mm -hmm. and 12 Monkeys. Hmm. I've seen that. The TV, Wait, the TV show, show Rebecca. The Come on. <laughs> I always forget there's a TV God, show. Damn it. I've seen the movie at least five times. And did you recognize him from the movie? No. Then shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so he played the bad guy in the Lost knockoff series, The Crossing. Okay. 
which we watched. You don't remember it, though. No. It was in the last, like, one episode. We think we saw three or four. It was, <laughs> I think, a season. <laughs> Lastly, can you give me the name of the actor playing retired detective Jerome Howard? We had to look at the fiancé, naturally, but he had an airtight alibi. How airtight? Receipts, phone records, plane tickets. I don't know. He had on a Cosby sweater. I do know that. That was Gordon from Sesame Street. That's exactly. all I know. <laughs> I don't know his name. I hope it's for real. Is it his real first name, Gordon? I always wanted to think when I was watching Sesame Street that everyone's first name on the show was their real name, but I've since learned from the many appearances of Gina and Maria on SVU that that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, it's Roscoe Orman. Uh, he would be played Gordon on Sesame Street since 1974. Ah, oh, so cute. Had four Law & Order appearances, including as a judge. Hmm. I love the Sesame Street people when they show up on. I mean, it's like SVU and, and Law and Order that universe. They 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 draw actors from like four pools, right? Yeah. Acting students at NYU, yeah. soap operas that film in New York, which there are very, there really aren't anymore. Um, Broadway Sesame, shows, Broadway shows, and Sesame Street. Like yeah. those are the four pools of actors, right? Melissa, does it make you wonder if the children's television workshop pays well? <laughs> you have to wonder. <laughs> I think the guy though from uh, Mr. Stanger in this episode came from like the Tampa School of Acting or something, because that guy was... <laughs> he wasn't up to the same caliber. No, no, they Tampa School of Acting. That's some shade. That's some super that's, that's shade. Some, that's some Florida-specific shade. It really is. Right, Florida <laughs> resident guest. <laughs> so do you uh, remember when people thought Gordon was dead? Yes, actually, I do. That was one of those like uh, urban legends about Sesame Street, right? Back in 2002, the original Gordon died. His name was Matt Robinson mm-hmm. before uh, Roscoe Orman took over. Mm-hmm. So it was a big mistake. And you, you know that because when you play Sesame Street backwards, it says, I buried Gordon. Oh, <laughs> yes. Ha, ha, ha. Why was the original Gordon replaced? Do you know? Um, Did he just go on to become a bit part in a police procedural? He was a prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I do love that Kira's parents come from Vermont. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, in every other sentence... The dad's got a different accent. Yeah, yes. a different New England-like accent. None of these men look familiar. Like she hated sports. Still are, same house Kira grew up in. We met Noah, her fiancé, two weeks after she met him. It was crap that Kira was killed by a man she met in a bar. She never would have opened the door to a stranger. Like the, It's like the perfect storm of accents. He's got the Brahmin Kennedy. He's got the Gloucester uh, Lobsterman. He's got Ben Affleck. <laughs> Felt very Bernie Sanders meets the talented Mr. Ripley, like he was trying to get his footing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that Saturday Night Live skit where he... Before he says the line, he's got to psych himself up with Paktakan Havadyat, Paktakan But But the thing is, uh, I've never met anyone from Vermont who talks like that. No, because most people who live in Vermont are actually from New York originally. Yes, the upstate <laughs> New York folks. Yes, or, or just like the regular New York folks who moved to Vermont. And But like the other thing that they do about these poor Vermont people, they make them look super dowdy and they just put them in like wool fair isle sweaters. That's the only thing people from Vermont wear. Right. Uh-huh. Although to be real we live in new hampshire and there's a little I bit assumed of truth to that. he would get like a cup of coffee at some point and just start pouring syrup in it they were just really <laughs> trying to drive it home <laughs> at least they didn't st- we all big city ways like frozen, frozen caveman, caveman lawyer, lawyer. Yep. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that movie uh with um 
Diane Keaton when she moved to Vermont and started like a baby food company. She was like a hotshot New York businesswoman. And like Sam Neill was there in his like sexy Vermont. I like, love it. I want to see it. Sweater. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like these people, like just every like single character. And it was just like these people. Oh, man. <laughs> Now, I will say that Amaro being a suspicious bastard really comes in handy this episode. I got to tell you, everything I hate about Amaro comes in very handy in this. I just kept thinking that. I'm like, everything I hate about this character is like flipping in it this episode. It was like the Owen Meany part of his uh, police career. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good literary reference, Kevin. Thank you. Look, if, if there's one thing he's good at, it is not trusting women. <laughs> no, I didn't realize you two had met. You said you didn't talk to the family. Oh, the parents, but no. And I, we've known each other since college. You never mentioned that. We should all be more like Amaro. <laughs> said nobody ever. Exactly. <laughs> Except in this episode, is his lack of trust in women and his suspicion of bonds between women oh, yeah. and the genuineness of female friendships really comes in handy. He's not wrong. Stop clock, right? <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's look at the second half of this episode. With suspicion firmly on Dana Lewis, Benson and Amaro lay a trap that is setting up a camera in a room with a veteran FBI agent. See if she just incriminates herself. My DNA may be there because I was at the crime scene and I was at the morgue. And cross-contamination is the bane of forensics across the country. You know, all these bluffs. I wrote the book on them. The problem is they don't work on someone who isn't guilty. Dana says Liv and Nick's techniques are the oldest in the book, and even we know that. They confront her with all of her lies, but she's unmoved. She claims that touch DNA on the gloves stuffed in Kira's mouth will prove that Tremor is the killer, and she pretends not to know that evidence has long disappeared. So Rollins bluffs that they found the second evidence box containing things like fingernail clippings. <gasps> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Meantime, Noah is spilling all the tea with Amaro. When Dana and Noah were dating, she got pregnant and had an abortion before they broke up. But when he found out that Kira was pregnant, he immediately proposed to her. Mm. Olivia breaks through by telling Dana her life as an agent was her way to make up for the terrible crime she committed. The FBI agent confesses, saying she killed Kira in a jealous rage, then staged the crime scene based on Tremor's M.O. Hmm. Well, they have a billion-dollar PowerPoint system in the squad room, <laughs> but they have to go find a video camera someplace else for the interrogation room? <laughs> I'm just saying, isn't that standard equipment for a room these days? Yeah, listen, this is the same cops that just, like, pretended Brian had diarrhea to get him out of the room. (laughs) The references to his, like, poop problems just, like, went on and on. What has taken Brian so long? He was in the bathroom. Just let me check. Okay. Brian had an accident there, changing his clothes. 
Now he says he's got digestive distress. Uni's cleaning them up. No. So, yeah, this was not a super sophisticated operation. Maybe that was the point, though. Dana would be used to a super sophisticated operation. So the way to throw her off was to do it old school. (laughs) Diarrhea and home video cameras. Yeah, (laughs) diarrhea and cameras. And Craig is like, yes, I will get him myself once I clean him off. (laughs) (laughs) Diarrhea, though. Well, I guess it's kind You always say, if you want to call in sick. Yeah. Say you had, if they ask, say you have diarrhea. No one will ask you about it. There's no follow-up question to that one. I call it liaria. Liaria. (laughs) That's solid. As opposed to diarrhea. (laughs) Of course, moms for moms murder. Diarrhea is probably something that you've... Had, had to, to deal with yeah. No, never. <laughs> not once. Not a week ago. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I see that color of yellow, flashback. Yeah, there you go. I go to a dark place. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, literally. Hey, I love it that they go to the evidence locker, and it looks like the warehouse from Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> We're hoping to find touch DNA from other evidence. Do you have any idea what was collected at the scene? I have the accession log right here. Yeah. Okay, latex gloves, athletic tape. I have fingernail clippings from the Vic. We could get lucky. How much did that poor woman just want to know what the sun looked like? She just seemed so irritated, like she was living with Ninja Turtles, and just if somebody could just get her out for five minutes, she was not happy. Yeah, and the clerk is like, oh, that box? I have it right here on my clipboard. Yeah. <laughs> the top page. Oh, why would somebody let her reach so high? Like, you're just looking for a comical disaster there. <laughs> they don't even let you do that in Target. Right. They always like make somebody like come over and like they're like no 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 no, no. Yeah. I'll get that for you. With that big sliding ladder <laughs> stair. Thing. So here is the thing: Why are you so fascinated by why they filmed that quick? Like where they filmed that quick Miami scene? Why did you not ask yourself immediately where did they film this scene? Because the answer is probably. Also, New York. Yeah, but what they could drive kind of warehouse over. was it? I mean, it was a real warehouse with real boxes. They can't stage. So many I mean, boxes. it wasn't CGI, right? Oh, yeah. And there was like acres of shelves with boxes on them. Was it a real evidence facility or was it just a warehouse with really shitty mismatched boxes on every shelf? Um, I want to know. <laughs> I think that people want to know, Rebecca. I know, but you but you don't like the idea of them letting actors into a real evidence locker no. room. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those banker boxes are... Uh, now, there are businesses that will store, specifically, bank records like that. Mm-hmm. In fact, in my old office building in the basement, they rented out the basement area to a law firm mm-hmm. um, that had... You know, boxes and boxes files. of files and files, because at some point you got to get, you know, a lot of lot of legal stuff going on in uh, in New York. So mm. I'm sure that was a civilian evidence storage place. Let's find out. Let's find out. Can we, my life's mission today is to find out. <laughs> <laughs> it could also be a storage wars like reject room. So all the stuff you yes. don't want from storage wars just gets stored in there. <laughs> so I think Marsha Gay Harden ups everybody's game. Acting-wise. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, and she is going for an Emmy the entire time. So you have to really step it up. Even Olivia, she like brought extra whispers to this episode, I felt. (laughs) (laughs) Can't help from wondering if all that sacrifice, if everything that you have done has been to make amends, Dana, to make up for that one mistake. Don't say that, Olivia. Don't say that. No wonder you spent so much time 
undercover. There's a lot of honey shade. A lot of like Southern, oh, honey, oh, honey. Uh, that was shade, right? I was trying to figure out her accent, really, because sometimes I felt it was Southern. Sometimes I felt it was insulting to Southern people. Sometimes I thought maybe mm. she thinks she's in Vermont. I really couldn't figure it out. But they're supposed to be friends? Like, is it even appropriate <laughs> yeah. for Marishka to be in the room with her doing the interrogation? Oh, there's no... Who do you want to do it? That's Munch? true. That's true. You want that, like, girl-on-girl, hoye, like... <laughs> climactic question and no one's asking Rollins she's just (laughs) in and out of the room doing nothing she's in the bathroom combing those bangs to the side all day (laughs) she's in the bathroom helping people who've had accidents apparently and she's looking for a box (laughs) (laughs) which I guess when you put it that way does sound a little it does a little bit (laughs) so Rebecca you did not like what they did with this recurring character. No, because here we have like, I mean, this is like the the potential here was you have Marsha Gay Harden, an Oscar winning actress with like a ton of screen presence who's like similar in age to Mariska Hargitay. So like it's it's easily believable of their contemporaries, right? Yep. One works for the FBI, one works for the NYPD. They're both experts in their respective fields. You had a lot of potential here for like, you know, like a George Wong recurring situation where like she could just float in anytime there's any interaction with the FBI and be like our friend at the FBI. Sometimes have conflict but also sometimes collaborate and I just think it's just a bummer and uh, also like a lot of a retcon situation because in previous episodes she was like the super agent I don't like it I think one of the reasons they tapped Marsha Gay Harden and to bring back this character is that because of what happens they want the audience to care about that cop they don't want like a random cop you know that doesn't drive the same thing home as to have oh i really liked that recurring character i am shocked shocked what do you think no i totally agree i i didn't see her entire arc so i really enjoyed having her come in and and out this way so it it wasn't i'm sorry rebecca i did enjoy her little arc in just this episode um but yeah i think they it is kind of weird that you'd have a star this big and be like you know what now you're a murderer. Sorry, that's just, you know, that's that's how it ends. You're we will never see you again cuz you're in prison. So of course like this whole performance sort of wraps up in, you know, a big moment. Like I guess it's probably I'm going for the Emmy moment. Right. Oh, for sure. But did anyone else feel like we were going to get like a Sharon Stone basic instinct moment when she leans back <laughs> in her chair and says you got something to ask? You got something to ask? Ask me. I fully expected a leg to fly up in the air, but remembered it was NBC. It was, yeah, I thought she was really going for it there. She definitely, she definitely was. So bring it on. <laughs> you know, where was the order? We got the law. I needed the order. This is SVU. I know, but sometimes we usually Half the still time have some we order. Don't see. Yeah, I feel like I missed it. It would have been fun. It would have been fun. I'm just saying, add like Stephanie March to this like little thickened triangle would have been really fun. Bring Bobby Flay for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Barbara would come in. He's like, oh, this shit again. (laughs) You know what's weird? Correct me if I'm remembering this wrong, but wasn't one of her previous appearances where she suspected her mentor oh, gosh. of actually being a killer. <laughs> Wasn't it like the profiler that she trained under? Like there was a lot of suspicion of whether or not he was a bad guy. No, oh, the triangle thickens. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember her first appearance was she was undercover mm-hmm. in some 
anti right wing like government militia. Yeah, and she you know disrupted the courtroom when the guy. Oh, was, I do remember that. Yeah, you're right. That was like that was really good, and it was like she was like, uh, "Stand up for our rights as white people." Right? They were like, something racists. like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was you know fill in the blank. Got my rights. Yeah. You're taking them away. But you don't like that they did this. I mean, they did this to Chester Lake. Yeah. And to Stucky. Yeah, but I didn't care about Chester Lake nor Stucky. So I hated Stucky. Who liked Stucky? <laughs> Everybody was happy. <laughs> <laughs> Big Bang Bong, he's gone. And the best thing about Stucky's uh, character ending was that we got that great scene where <laughs> Mariska just gets to like slap Ellie in the face multiple times. You think that you're the only one whose life is hell because of this prick? <clears throat> Live, do this. <clears throat> Live, do that. <clears throat> It's the best. You <laughs> can just rewind that forever. <laughs> Who doesn't want to slap Stapler in the face? <laughs> you know what I loved about Amaro in this part of the episode? No, tell me. When he's talking to Noah about, you know, like how he broke up with Marsha Gay Harden and whatever. And he was like, so you broke up with her. Well, it wasn't really a breakup. I was traveling a lot. So, uh, so you did the fade away. Oh, you just did the fade away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It was accurate. And the guy was like, what do you mean? Like he was very hapless. This was the 80s. No, it was just a very hapless and I don't think uncommon, you know, dynamic where like somebody has broken up with someone and just didn't think that it meant anything to the other right. person. I know that I've been broken up with by people who had no idea it meant anything to me. <laughs> like, I relate. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you think one of the guys died? He called his mother. <laughs> he did. Oh. Because he just disappeared. I was like, what happened to Matt? Like, I haven't just haven't heard from him for like two weeks. She's like, oh, he was just here for dinner. And I was like, click. <laughs> his ghost was there for dinner. You missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> He's been taken in for questioning. There you go. I ran into him like five years ago and he was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. He's like, how are you? I'm like, I don't know. How are you? We're still dating, right? Because you never actually broke up with me. <laughs> oh, that's how it works. Hmm, burn. <laughs> Somebody got the number for the burn unit? Wow. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the This episode borrows from the real-life murder of Sherry Rasmussen. In 1986, the newlywed was found murdered in her Los Angeles apartment. 
Police ruled the killing was a robbery gone wrong, but never made any arrests and the investigation went cold. Before they were married, Sherry's husband John had been in a relationship with Stephanie Lazarus. She was a uniformed cop with the LAPD. The couple's engagement devastated Lazarus, who was now obsessed with her ex. Before her death, Sherry told family members she thought the police officer was stalking her. In the 90s, a crime tech tested a swab taken from a bite mark on Sherry's arm. The DNA didn't match anyone in the system, but they knew it came from a female. Other evidence collected at the scene had gone missing. Cold case detectives reopened the investigation in 2009 and believed the robbery had been staged. Noting that Lazarus's harassment of the victim had never been thoroughly pursued, they tested her DNA from a paper cup she threw in the trash. The officer went on trial in 2012 and was convicted of first-degree murder. Stephanie Lazarus is currently serving 27 years to life at the California Institute for Women. Well, there wow. were there were a lot of crossover details. Yes. Mm. You know, they didn't. I mean, other than the fact that uh, you know there was staged to look like a rape that rape homicide that uh, she was investigating. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she uh, she set up the, she staged the scene pretty well. First off, how did Lazarus learn that John was dating Sherry? Well, she threw a surprise party for him, <gasps> and he showed up with his new girlfriend. Shut up. Yeah. It was going the wrong direction right from there. Awkward. Did he just think they were like still cool, they were friends? Is that what, like that situation? Well, when you have a surprise party thrown in your honor, mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of say in what, yeah. <laughs> what's going on. you don't know it's going to be a party. Yeah, you don't know. Oh, I'm not supposed to bring this person? Ooh. You didn't know what was happening. She was just like, come on over and pick up your old records. Probably. <laughs> hey, can you come wax my skis? <laughs> okay, so they thought that Sherry had interrupted a burglary. The thief left the jewelry, but stole the marriage certificate. I'm going to say you don't have to be George Wong to see that as an important clue. <laughs> right? The only thing that's stolen is a marriage certificate. I don't even know where my marriage certificate is. So I don't even know how... Like, how would somebody go for that? You know, that's very intentional. Yeah. You'd have to search through a lot of my house to find that. (laughs) And also, it's not super valuable. I mean, the only (laughs) thing you need it for, really, is like... To get divorced? Well, if you, like, lost your passport and need to prove why you changed your name, Mm -hmm. and then you can just go get another one from your town clerk. It's actually not so hard to get a new one. I don't understand, like, why that would be still... Did she also, like, draw little X's over their eyes, like, in their wedding (laughs) photos? (laughs) Or she... No, they didn't do that. (laughs) Or she just took it to burn there's no other reason like why would she even need that it doesn't mm. they're they're still married i mean she's dead now but you didn't really do yeah, anything i think the reason she did that is she was homicidally jealous <laughs> did she also Maybe. steal the wedding cake topper from their freezer <laughs> she was eating that <laughs> right after <laughs> sherry's father wrote to the police chief daryl gates mm-hmm. remember that name yep and said he said that lazarus was involved you know what uh, the chief's response was what you watch too much TV. <gasps> By the way, this is like the second case we've talked about recently that involved an officer in the Los Angeles Police Department being the actual murderer. Because yes. it was, I think, San Diego. But, but I, I believe yeah. that, that was a Chips officer, right? Yeah. In the Smushed Milky Way yes. episode that we talked about. Ew. What is going on over there? To be fair, I think she was like in the FBI as like an art thief. Um, <laughs> she looked into art theft, so yes. I mean, I don't give her a whole lot of credit um, in the nicest way. <laughs> yeah, Melissa's correct. Lazarus 
at the time of the reinvestigation yeah. was a detective in the two-person art really? theft unit. Really? Yeah. That's a cush gig. Probably. Right? Yeah. How do you screw that up? If you're a homicidal cop, though, you probably <laughs> think you've gotten the shaft. Because what you probably want to be doing is being on the street, like, pushing people's faces in the pavement, right? Yeah. I think you want to be in the cold case unit. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm, no, that one's not good. Let me put Let's that just aside. take that box of evidence and throw it in the other side of the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cold here. case lab tech who went to test the evidence, like, in the 90s, there was nothing in the box. The box was missing, but the property sheet said there was a swab for a bite mark uh, that wasn't in the box. And a week later, they found it in the back of the freezer hmm. of the coroner's office. Hmm. Oh, wow. So, f- you, Munch, you can find this if you, <laughs> <laughs> you look for it. Yeah, the detective had taken away all the evidence that disappeared, hmm. and but by accident left the bite swab wow. behind. Hmm. If he had thought of the bite swab, that would have been taken. Wow. So you can see why the uh, family sued the city. Yeah, but what year was this? Like, what what year did she take all of the evidence? Like in the eighties? No, she didn't take the evidence, but another cop did for her. For her, oh. it, it appears. I mean, one way of looking at it is this was part of the regular standard procedure. Mm-hmm. Stuff was taken from the lab and was supposed to go, I guess, to evidence. Mm-hmm. This wasn't some random cop that signed it out, mm-hmm. but it never got to where it was, or it got there and disappeared. Right. Um, and when they would talk about it in the 90s, this tech came up and said, well, look, it was a female here. Do you have any females that were part of this investigation? And the supervisor said, oh, you mean the detective? <laughs> She's not part of this. Oh. Yeah, so it was pretty well known. Wow. Yeah. So there was no, like, Amaro there just being like, it's her. It's no. totally her. <laughs> no. <laughs> if only. No, 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 no. Do you, so how do you arrest someone who's carrying a firearm 24-7? Very carefully. Yes. <laughs> so what they did is they told her to meet them at the jail. Okay. There was an inmate there who wanted to talk about an art theft because when you go into the jail- You gotta surrender your firearm. Surrender your firearm. Genius. Uh, yeah, and that's where they put the cuffs on her. And said, I still think meet me at the jail sounds suspicious. <laughs> you should be suspicious of that. <laughs> meet me at the jail and bring your toothbrush. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and we found another one of the two people that have stolen something the entire time you've been on the squad. <laughs> Finally, you have somebody. That should be her first suspicion. We've got something for you to do today. You know the Mona yeah. Lisa? <laughs> Van Gogh, it's all here. <laughs> and that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Melissa. Well, Melissa, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Moms and Murder or some form of that type in moms and murder you'll find us or some really creepy mothers <laughs> one or the other mm-hmm. and rebecca lavoy how can our listeners follow you well they can listen to crime writers on or follow me on twitter or instagram at reb lavoy and you can track me on twitter at kevin p flynn you can also tweet to us at law and order pod or follow us on instagram at these are their stories podcast our newsreader was cy freighter our theme music was composed and performed by uncanny valleys line editing by henry lavoy Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. 
These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.